0: have lesson number two. Uh, We have several back there. If you'll get your hand up, we'll get one of the fellows to get one to you. Uh, If you need lesson two, put your hand up. Uh, Lesson on obedience. As we continue looking at Peter, the education or the making of a disciple. And uh, Brother Royce, would you mind grabbing one for Miss Moira there, one of the lessons there? Anyone else need uh, lesson number two this morning? Uh, Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter five today. Be in prayer for, for uh, the Colton. Uh, he's preaching in Hinton this morning, and uh, be in prayer for them as they, uh, services today there and travel back. pray for safety for them. Be praying for Eric and Cheryl that the, children's church doesn't chew them up and spit them out. We'll see if they survive. And uh, well, what a good day, uh, to come together. I know, I know it's still cold out there, I know there's still snow, but man, I, I can almost smell green grass. It's getting close. Luke chapter 5, uh, look if you will here at verse number 1 through 9. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. The fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land. Then he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they included a great multitude of fishes and the net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And verse 9, For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fishes, which they had taken. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, that we can be astonished today at what you do. Lord, I'm so glad that you are not bound by, Lord, the dimension that I am bound in, in strength, in ability, in knowledge. But Lord, I'm sure glad that you're all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. And Lord, we can come to you today asking you to do that which we cannot do, Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray as we desire, uh, Lord, to become a better disciple. Lord, that as we look at Peter's example in Scripture, and Lord, specifically today as we look at this matter of obedience, this lesson of obedience, God, would you help us to learn this same lesson, Lord, not a one-time lesson. Lord, would you help us daily, day by day, even hour by hour, moment by moment, God, help us to learn to obey you, to trust you. Lord, for truly, unless we learn to obey, we will never follow. We will never fully learn of you. Lord, help me this morning to teach you right your truth. Lord, I pray you'd be with every person gathered here this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are traveling yet to be with us. Lord, many on the road still yet. Lord, I pray you'd be with them and bless them. Lord, I do pray you'd bless the Colton this morning. As he speaks, there in Hinton, allow him to be a blessing and encouragement. To be with He and be as they travel back today. Give them safety. Uh, Lord, bless our uh, children's uh, Sunday school now, and Lord, all the all the activities of this day. Lord, that you have planned for us in your precious name, we pray. Amen. We're going to get right into the lesson this morning because I want to get us all caught up to speed a little bit in our notes as well as I've uh, got. The, the end is where I want to get to with the lesson this morning. But we saw in verses 1 through 4, if you've got your notes this morning, we saw the, the challenge. We saw the challenge. And this is the challenge in this lesson of obedience. The challenge in verse 4, uh, we see there uh, God's challenge or Jesus' challenge. Uh, after Peter had spent a night uh, discouraged, the challenge in verse 4, number one, was launch out in the deep. Launch out in the deep. And letter A there. We see that Jesus challenged Peter to do something that was not easy. By the way, it was possible. I want you to think about that statement. Jesus challenged Peter to do something that wasn't easy, but something that was possible. A lot of times we feel like, Lord, I just can't do what you want me to do. But there's never a time when God challenges us to do something that we cannot do. He, said, he didn't say, Peter, uh, turn the boat into a submarine and go uh, you know, 3,000 leagues under the sea. He didn't say that. Peter couldn't do that. Rather, he said, Peter, launch out into the deep. And I believe as believers so often we get challenged by the word of God. We get challenged by the spirit of God To do that which may be uncomfortable, that which is difficult, that which requires some effort, but it's always that which we have the ability to do. Christ wanted to teach Peter a lesson about obedience. As I mentioned, if Jesus wanted to, they could have been standing on the shore. He could have said to Peter, Peter, stretch your net out here on the sand, and he could have got the fish to jump out of the water and land in the net. If he wanted to. But Jesus didn't want to do that. He wanted to get Peter in a pattern of obedience. We see his challenge, letter A, was to launch out into the deep. Letter B there in your notes, to let down the nets. Brother Karim noticed something and asked me about it last week in the scripture. And I never noticed there before, but it tells Jesus, told him to let down the nets. And yet, Peter let down the net, singular, if you look in Scripture. You know, so often, uh, we don't always meet the challenges that God gives us exactly the way we ought to. We're none of us perfect in our obedience. None of us perfect in our fellowship. And Peter surely wasn't. Peter was a man who, uh, he, he tried to correct the Lord. Imagine that, trying to collect, correct the Son of God. Peter's like, No, don't say that, Jesus. You're wrong. He did that. By the way, Peter's the one that followed afar off, Peter's the one that denied the Lord. He, he wasn't perfect. But we see here obedience. We see that he was challenged to launch out in the deep, we see he was challenged to let down the nets. He was challenged. And I know we've talked about this now a couple of weeks, but I want to, before we shift gears here to the second point, I want us to think about, and I want you to ponder, what is God challenging you about in your Christian life? What area of your life has the Word of God confronted you about and challenged you in, maybe something that you're not doing that you know that the Bible's plain that you should be doing? Maybe some area of your testimony that God is challenging you to obey and to honor Him. Can I encourage you this morning uh, to receive the challenge from the Lord? And number two, we looked at this last week, we see the conflict. In verse five, it says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, At thy word, I will let down the net. We see here that there was a turmoil. There was a struggle. There was a battle. That battle was in Peter's heart and in Peter's mind. Romans 6.13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, when it comes to obedience, the problem is not God's command. The problem is not God gave me a bad command. How many of you remember, those of you that have children, remember the the book series, Amelia Bedelia? Any of you, your kids, read the Amelia Bedelia books? Because we had Amelia Bedelia books for our girls when when they were growing up, I confess, when we read a moment ago, when the Bible says the ships were standing, in my mind, I thought of Amelia Bedelia seeing a boat with legs standing beside the water. Now... In that book series, she took everything very literally. You know, the, they said to her to dress the turkey for Thanksgiving dinner. Instead of preparing it and cooking it, she put clothes on it. And all those very, very direct and very misunderstood terms. And she would say, well, that's what you told me to do. <laughs> I did exactly what you said. The problem with our obedience is not... The conflict is not what God says in confusion. The problem is not with God. The problem was with us and our desire not to do that. Yesterday, uh, we had our men's breakfast. Brother Bonnie, we probably had enough food to feed, what, 100 people? Maybe 200 people? I ate yours, Brother Gerald. I I filled in for you. Uh, But at the end of the meal we were done eating i looked over at bon and i said hey you need a piece of chocolate cake and he'd eaten miss chris he'd eaten for 35 minutes already and he looked at me and he didn't go yeah i don't think so he's like so i speared a piece of chocolate cake and no exaggeration about that big about that tall put it on his plate he just started eating it and he had no problem accepting that challenge uh, he agreed to that challenge. Now, when he got home yesterday, if Miss Chris had said to Bon, would you like to clean your room? <laughs> Bonnie, I'm assuming he would have had a different attitude than he did whenever I asked him, would you like to eat chocolate cake? Or she said, would you like to uh, do some housework? Would you, like to, uh, would you like to go do some extra homework in your room this afternoon? No, there would have been a conflict there, a struggle in the mind. Can I tell you that we have a struggle and a conflict with God's word sometimes? Peter had that conflict. He, he said there, I've toiled all night. I, I haven't taken anything. But we see that semicolon there, that verse. And he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down. The net. You know, Paul had a desire to serve Christ. Paul, who was an enemy of Christ, Paul, who was an enemy of God, who got saved, who began to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a desire to serve the Lord, but we see as God revealed in his word, Paul had a struggle. Paul had a battle. The battle was the things I would do, I do not. The things I wouldn't do, that's that's what I do. And it's that constant struggle, that constant battle. And Peter had that struggle. He had that conflict inside of him, that pulling from both directions, that battle and struggle within. Letter A in your notes, we see that he had been toiling in his own way. Toiling in his own way. When Jesus said, Hey, put down your nets for a bunch of fish, Jesus Peter was pretty skeptical. He was skeptical. He's like, I've been doing this here forever. Last year, uh, Hannah and I went, uh, we left, I can't remember what day it was, we went away for a, a, a day camping trip to a lake we'd never been to before, and went there, set up a tent, we're going to do some fishing. Brother Darren, you know how many fish we caught? None, exactly. And I don't think there was any fish in that lake. And we if somebody had walked out where we were fishing and said, hey, yeah, you just cast right there beside the dock and you'll catch a fish, I'd have probably punched him in the nose. I'd have said, you're an idiot. (laughs) I've been fishing here. There's no fish here. You don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing here. Peter had been fishing all night. And he wasn't casting a, a lure out in certain spots. He's stolen a net and dragging. He's like, I, I've already run the net there. There is not a fish. He he had been toiling. He'd been working in his power, his strength, everything he could possibly do. I shared this illustration last week, but I want to remind us about it. Iron Judson, the great missionary. To Burma in 1813 when he arrived in Burma its statistics tell us that there was not one practicing Christian from all the research they've done in the country of Burma for the first six years that number did not change other than those that came there to help a ministry there was no believers in the country of Burma for six years. That would be discouraging. I'm sure at the end of six years, Mr. Judson went, there's no hope here. (laughs) I mean, I've been fishing in this same hole for six years and never caught one fish. I'm done. But he didn't quit. He stayed faithful. Why? Because God had led him there. And it says after his death, there was a survey done by the government of Burma that showed the population of Christians in Burma after the death of Mr. Judson to be 210,000 or one in every 58 Burmese almost two out of every hundred people in the country of Burma had received the gospel of Jesus Christ now God did that God did that can I tell you that God was going to do a great work through Peter Edmund Burke said never despair but if you do work on in despair work on in despair we don't understand Christ we don't understand his work his ways are high above our ways his thoughts are above our thoughts And he said to Peter, Peter, I'm going to give you a bunch of fish. And Peter was saying, I know what I can do. Christian, can I tell you what we're guilty of? We're guilty of telling God, God, let me tell you what I can do. God knows that. He knows your ability. He knows what you can do. You know, I I don't lift weights. The only weights I lift are are like forks and spoons full of food, and I lift them to my mouth as often as I can. Uh, that's my weightlifting. Uh, but if I if I went to a... Uh, what do you call those places? Uh, a gym, that's the word. I Such a weird word to me. If I went to a gym, and I got there to the gym, and if I took my wife with me... You know, my wife is a, a monster of a lady. She's a tall, giant woman. And if we... Went there in the gym and found the bench press. And I put some weights on and I began to lift. Of course, I'm, I'm such a wimp, I probably couldn't even lift the bar. But if I put some weights there and I, I lifted there on the bench. And if I, if I found the max that I could lift, probably about 30 pounds. And if I pressed that weight and I got done and I said to my wife, Okay, I want you to go ahead and lay there on the bench and I want you to press the same amount of weight that I just pressed. Now, that would be ridiculous because she's stronger than me. i put more weights on for her. No, that would be ridiculous. She's not as big as me. She's not as strong as me. Uh, She can't lift the weight that I could lift. I know that. Now, why is it that we understand that, and yet the God who made us, who knows everything about us, when God leads us and challenges us, we look at God and, but, but God, I'm, this is all I can do. And God in heaven goes, I know what you can do. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm talking about what I can do. He didn't say, Peter, I, I want you to show me how good of a fisherman you are. I want you to reveal your prowess as a fisherman on Lake Genesaret. Oh. no. He said, Peter, launch out in the deep, cast your nets for a draw. Peter said, this is what I can do, Lord. I've been here all night. I've been working all night, and I've got nothing. We see that inner struggle. But praise the Lord, and the last part of verse 5, we come to letter B. Peter trusting Christ's word. In verse 5, the last part, it says, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned to their other partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw what he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh, Lord. Peter here had dropped the net in a place where he had dropped the net all night in all of his strength and all of his power. And every time the net came back, nothing. Nothing. What was the difference? God's Word. God's Word and Peter trusting God's Word. John 2 verse 5, we have recorded what Mary said at the first miracle of Jesus. Bible says in John 2 5, his mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, just do it. Christian, greater words could not be spoken about how we ought to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever he says, just do it. Just do it. Just obey. Peter obeyed. Peter continued to learn that lesson. By the way, it's not a one time lesson. How many of you remember taking your last test ever when you were in school? Do you remember that? Remember you took that last final exam in your last class? It's finished, it's done. You know, this matter of obedience is not a matter of, okay, I'm going to pass the test of obedience. woo I passed that one. Now I don't ever have to take that test again. No. It's often that we have to pass the test of obedience. We struggle. But Peter here did obey. He trusted the word of the Lord. He trusted Christ's word. Our, our problem often is we don't want to obey until we understand. Well, explain to me why and I'll do it. You know, if my son-in-law and I were out together and he's standing on the edge of the curb and I'm over on the sidewalk and I see a garbage truck headed directly to run him over, Rebecca would probably be driving the garbage truck. But if I saw the garbage truck coming to run him over, and if I said to him, hey, get out of the street, and he said, why? The next noise I would hear would be, "Boom!" he'd get run over. Now, the best thing would be if he just got out of the street. But we want the Lord to explain everything. We want to understand it all. We want to, I got to know, you know, if I do this and what happens here and if this happens. And I got to know everything, Lord. You tell me everything and then, you know, all the way up until the day I die. You explain every little step of the way and maybe then I'll decide. We just need to obey. We need to obey what the Lord tells us. Peter had to continue learning. John 13, 7, Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Christian, I'm not always going to know now what he's doing. Not always going to know now. Uh, Rather, sometime it may be a long time before I know. But Peter told the Lord here, Nevertheless, look at verse 5, at thy word. I'll let down the net. Peter was about to experience a powerful blessing that comes from obedience. And we see here Peter was saying, Lord, okay. I don't think Peter said, boy, I can't wait to see the miracle. Jesus is going to work. I think Peter was kind of like us. I think Peter was like, I'm going to put the net down and then maybe when the net comes back empty, Jesus will shut up. He'll stop talking about, putting the net down. He's going to find out, I know more about this lake than him. I think that was probably a little bit in Peter's mind. Peter, uh, you know, he was a rough, carnal guy. I think he, he was angry and wanted to show Jesus up maybe even. But he obeyed even if partially. He let down the net. He trusted the word of the Lord. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Statement I shared with you last week, but God often limits himself to act in response to our faith. Remember the woman who... They told her to borrow vessels and she borrowed all the vessels and then began to pour the oil out in the vessel. Can I tell you when the oil stayed? When there was no more vessels. When there was no more vessels. That's when the oil stopped. God said, okay, I'm going to stop my miracle. If there had been vessels for a square mile, I think that they would have kept pouring that oil until every vessel was filled. But God limited himself to the miracle of as much as they would trust. How much do we trust the Lord? How much are we willing to lay out and say, Lord, would you fill this? Would you do that? Peter eventually let down his net, but his obedience was not immediate or complete. Peter began to recognize, no doubt, his unworthiness. Number three this morning, this is where I've been wanting to get to for today. We see the confession. The confession. We find this in verse 8 and 9. And When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. The Lord, as I I said, Brother Krim uh, spoke with me about last week. The Lord said, let down the nets. Peter let down, the Bible tells us, let down the net. Maybe it was skepticism. Maybe it was laziness. Maybe it was, you know, okay, going through the motions. Yeah, there you go. I let down the net. When I was a boy, I used to have a a recurring thought when I would go fishing with my dad. When I was fishing with my dad as a boy, we would fish for catfish. And when we'd fish for catfish, we'd use some kind of Bait, we'd use worms, we'd use chicken livers, Uh, we'd use uh, stink bait. Literally, we called it stink bait. What kind of fish would you want to eat that eats stink bait, Miss Lois? Catfish are delicious, aren't they? Amen. And if we had like worms or whatever, and if we were done fishing and we knew we weren't going to go back fishing anytime soon, When we were done, we'd take the leftover bait and we'd empty the container, toss it out into the water so the, the fish could eat it. As a little boy, I remember thinking, you know, after we'd be fishing for a long time and not catch anything, I remember thinking, man, imagine what it would be like after we're done fishing when Dad takes the bait and tosses the bait out in the water. And brother Eric, as soon as that bait hits the water, the biggest catfish in all the world comes up and grabs a hold of it. I thought, man, how cool would that be? That'd be like the then I'd be really mad. Like, home now we have no bait. There's a big catfish there. Uh, I was imagining a miracle. I don't think Peter was imagining a miracle. He's not tossing the net out. Like, imagine. <laughs> imagine if when I toss this net out, all the fish get in the net and it's so much that it almost breaks the net. I don't think he had any imagination of that. He obeyed, but partially, possibly, Peter needed to catch fish. Get this statement. Peter wasn't fishing for fun. He wasn't fishing because, I just like fish. I don't think Peter was fishing because, he, you know, I need, I need supper tonight. I think Peter was fishing. Obviously, that's what he did to provide for his family. That's how he fed his family. That's how he met all the needs of his family. That was his livelihood. He fished because he was a fisherman. He needed to catch fish. You know, if he went out fishing every day and came back with no fish and went to the market and they said, okay, how many fish are we are going to buy from you today, Peter? Oh, I don't have any fish, but you can pay me. No, they aren't going to pay Peter. Peter didn't catch fish all night, but Peter needed fish. Jesus knew what Peter needed. Now, we see letter A there, partial obedience. Partial obedience. Christ knew and provided for Peter. Christian, can I tell you God knows in your life, and God can provide for you? Amen. He can provide for you. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A week from Monday. A week from Monday, I'm going to land in Charleston, West Virginia, Chuck Yeager Airport. After I land, just a small little airport up on top of the mountain. After I land in that little airport, and it's a tiny little place, it's about the size of our church building, and I'll uh, come outside and I'll find my parents are going to pick me up. I know what's going to happen. I'll get in their vehicle. And not long into being in their vehicle, my mom is going to start pulling food out. Here, you want? You want? She, she'll have something in the car. She'll have some food there. So, here, you want this? You want some of that? Uh, it'll be a whole 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 leg of beef or something here. You want this? You want? No, there'll be something. She'll she'll have something prepared in there. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. There's never going to be a time when I'm going to go. You know, I'm really hungry. Is there any chance we could find some food? Uh, it's going to be there. I'm I'm sure of that. Can I tell you the Lord knows what we need? He can meet our needs. He he provides for us better than we provide for our children. But seek ye first. Verse 33 says, The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jeremiah 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Christian, what have you decided is too hard for God? What have you decided that God can't do? Why? Well, you know, God can't do that. I know. I. That's too hard for God. When you go to God, how often you go, Lord, I know this is... You know, I shouldn't ask this because I know you're not going to do it, but I don't know if you can, Lord, but nothing's too hard for him. That doesn't mean that because I ask him something that that's what he's going to do, but there's nothing that God has to look and say, you know what, I'd like to do that, but I just can't. I don't have that ability. Nothing's too hard for God. For every beast of the forest, Psalm 50 tells us, is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, God said, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. God's proven his faithfulness to his people for thousands of years. He provided manna in a desert place. He he fed them. He gave them water from a rock in a place where that was not possible. But God. But God. God God proved his faithfulness. He provided food and water to his faithful prophet Elijah. Elijah there by the brook Cherith. They had the water there and Every day, God sent a raven to bring him food. Now, I've seen a raven take food. Brother Eric, you've been with me when we saw some ravens in the bush. I've never seen a raven come down and say, hey, would you like a sandwich? Let me me get you a sandwich. Here, would you like a piece of meat? Let me get you a piece of meat. But God did that for Elijah. God, God provided for him. God met his needs. He provided deliverance to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or as my buddy Ernie, a great big tall African-American fellow that pastors in Toledo, Ohio, used to say, uh, he called him a bad Negro, not a bad Negro. But uh, I think that probably the Bible's right and, and Brother Ernie's wrong. But I, God provided for him those three young men in the fiery furnace when they refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. God did all of that and so much more And we read the Bible, God did this and did this and this and this and this, and then we come over here and look at our life. But I don't think God can help me this month. I'm just just too hard of a difficult month. God can't take care of me. God can meet our needs. Peter needed to catch fish. By the way, the Lord used the fish to teach Peter a lesson and to boost his faith But at the same time, Peter needed those fish. It was Jesus meeting the need of Peter, encouraging him. We see that picture. You know, God's provided for you. God provides for me. When I was in Bible college, I remember telling my wife many years ago, I said, when we graduate from college, when I graduate from college, I said, the day I graduate, I said, we're leaving that night. I said, we're going to start traveling to raising support to plant a a church in in Calgary, in Canada. And I remember my wife saying, how are we going to live? You know, how are we going to pay our bills? And I said, I don't know. That's God's problem, not mine. And... I did finally uh, compromise with my wife. I didn't leave the night I graduated, I left the next morning. Uh, But we were traveling in the church in West Virginia at Christmas before I would graduate in May. And while we were there, the pastor asked me to get up and share a three minute testimony of what the Lord was gonna do in our lives after graduation from college. I did so while I was still at the pulpit ready to walk down, a man about halfway back in the congregation, a building about three times this size, stood up on the aisle. He's in heaven now. And he said, Pastor, he said, I think we ought to, as a church, we ought to vote to support Brian and Carrie as soon as they start raising support to go to Canada. And it was a weird thing. I've never seen this happen before. The pastor's here. I'm here. And the pastor just looked and said, well, how, how much do you reckon we ought to support Brother Rice for? And I'm like, please say $50. Please say $50. That's what I'm imagining in my mind, man. I know it's churches. some churches support missionaries, 20 30 40 50 I'm Please say $50. That's what I'm saying in my head. And the fellow there halfway back to the auditorium said, Pastor, I think we ought to support him for $300 a month. And I thought the pastor was going to say, sit down, you idiot. Who else has an idea? And they, right there before I left the platform, they voted. When you start the gonna they're going to support us for $300 a month. The only bill I had in all the world, and I mean all the world, when I graduated from Baba College was my car payment. My car payment was $300.01. You can ask my wife, one cent. I looked at my wife that night and I said, you reckon the Lord can provide one cent? Uh, I think so. If he does, we're okay. Amen. Can I tell you the Lord can meet your need? Amen. He, he can take care of us. We, we can trust him. You know, thinking about how abundantly Jesus supplied fish to Peter and to his partners. And by the way, think about this. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've ever looked at it from the, the physical before. I know we often read the Bible and we go right past so much stuff. Jesus was going to say to Peter, hey, leave your fishing. Come with me. You know what Jesus did before he had Peter leave fishing? He had him catch so many fish it filled the entire boat and almost sank. I believe part of that was he could say to Peter, here, this will take care of your family for a long time. You you can trust me. You, You can trust me. You can follow me. And we see that Jesus did that for Peter. You know, a better question uh, might be, are we using effectively that which God has already given us? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Peter's doubts about the Lord evaporated. When he saw that, uh, I wonder if when they got back to land and got the fish out, I wonder if Peter said to Jesus, Hey, uh, you got any more good fishing spots? <laughs> you got any more ideas? Maybe we can go back again? Letter B, any notes here? Notice full forgiveness, full forgiveness. After Peter realized what Christ had done, he fell down at the Lord's feet or at his knees, the Bible tells us. Peter was transformed from being skeptical, transformed from being brash and doubtful, to being broken, to being humbled to being a man who was in a very painful awareness of his unworthiness before the Lord. As he said there, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Isaiah 57 tells us in verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty, one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. In the Bible, when someone laid prostrate or fell on the ground, it was a picture of Of their spirit yielding. In Joshua chapter 5 and verse 14. Joshua fell to the earth before the Lord of hosts. In Numbers 22 Balaam when he realized he was in the presence of the Lord. He fell down. In Samuel chapter 9 verse 6. Mephibosheth bowed down before David in humble gratitude. In Luke 17 verse 15. The one thankful leper. Fell down on his face before Jesus after being healed. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, and or chapter 1, verse 17, when John thought he saw Jesus, he fell down at his feet as dead. He he fell before the angels, they lifted him up, and then when he saw Jesus, he fell down before him as dead. Peter Saul was unworthiness. Christian. I believe sometimes God wants us to pull us out of ourself and to get us to look and to see him and to see ourselves. The Bible says the goodness of God leadeth me to repentance. When I see how holy God is, I see how good he is, and I truly see what I am, it leads me to that yielding. It leads me to that repentance. It brings me to that place. Peter failed in his Christian life. Peter wasn't perfect. Peter had some pretty big struggles. I mean, after Jesus died, what did Peter do? <laughs> hey, fellas, I'm going back fishing. Who wants to go with me? Hey, I'm done with this. <laughs> I quit. I give up. I, I have too much doubt. He failed, but yet can I tell you that we see full forgiveness in Peter. 1 John 1, we, we started looking at 1 John on Wednesday night in our Bible study. A couple of verses we looked at Wednesday night in 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James chapter 4. Verse 10, a verse we looked at about three weeks ago in our Bible study as well. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I want to look at one more passage of Scripture, and we'll close with this thought. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Not that trusted him, trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. For I fast twice in the month. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar of off would not lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We can thank the Lord tonight. Of this morning that Jesus is, as the Bible tells us in Luke seven, the friend of publicans and of sinners. He's the friend that's sick closer than a brother. You know, we we see ourselves in Peter. We see the Lord challenging us and we go, I don't think so. We see the conflict in our own mind and our own heart. But I praise the Lord that we can see through to fruition as we obey and we can although we have faith as we say Lord I believe but help thou mine unbelief he will he will He, he helps that lack of belief just a thought as we close I don't know the logistics of how many nets Peter had I, I don't know exactly how it went down when he cast the net. I don't know if when the other boats came to help, if, if they continued to use that net or they put other nets. But I wonder how many more fish Peter could have caught if he would have fully trusted the Lord. Christian, would you be willing to fully trust him? I, I don't mean part way. I mean all the way, all the way in. Last summer, we stopped at Medicine Lake. Medicine Lake is a glacier lake, half kind of, I guess about a third of the way from Lake Maline Lake back towards Jasper, maybe a quarter of the way. And we stopped there, and our family went to the water, and some people, like my wife, Dipped her toes in the water as low as it was cold. Me and Josh got out in the water a little ways. And there came a point where we had to make a decision. <laughs> are we going to really get in the water? Or are we going to kind of be halfway in the water? And finally, <clears throat> went all the way under. It was cold. You know, if you, if you touched your little toe in the water... And you took a, a step, sitting there shivering. And you go a little bit more in the water and shivering. You're never going to get in the water. We just had, had to make a decision. Man, I'm getting in that water. I'm going under. Uh, I'm going I'm to get all the way in. Christian, may we stop standing on the bank of God's will. May we stop just, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you just a little bit let's just jump in. Let's just fully obey. Let's just see what God really wants to do and see his will. Let's pray together. Lord, help us, Lord, to obey. Lord, Peter struggled. Lord, I believe you recorded it in scripture because you knew we would struggle the same way. Lord, this wasn't a one-time victory or a one-time event that caused him to perfectly obey. Lord, he struggled still. Lord, I thank you for that victory you gave him. And Lord, I ask you to help us to have victory in the area of obedience. Lord, as you challenge us, Lord, as we deal with the conflict of our flesh and our heart, Lord, I pray that we would go on to see your blessing. Lord, I pray you bless us this morning. Lord, I pray as we continue our study next week, Lord, looking at Peter in this matter of You turning him and growing him and teaching him to be a disciple. God, may we take those lessons, apply them to our heart. Lord, be with us in our service to come, Lord. May you be glorified today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.